I have been living my life in a way where I practice every single day facing what I'm most afraid of, going towards that which I'm most afraid of, developing myself into a person who no longer is acting from a place of reaction, which we all know what that feels like. It's that grumpy lawyer who's just angry and really can't actually control their emotions, which is fine. I was there and you don't have to stay there. Um, uh, to becoming a person that can actually choose to respond. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Answering Legal's Everything Except the Law podcast. I'm your host, Nick Worker. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the podcast where we share expert advice on all the parts of running a law firm that attorneys weren't exactly trained for back in law school. Now, on this show, we're always looking to provide lawyers with a better path for managing their work and their personal lives, which is why we are so thrilled about our guest today. Uh, Allie Katz is a longtime estate planning attorney that has shared her expertise on programs such as Good Morning America and The Today Show. Uh, now she's joining little old me and us to talk about her recently released book, The New Law Business Model. Allie, thank you so much for making time for us. Um, can you, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little yeah. bit more about yourself, your journey, and, and the book? Yeah, thank you, Nick, for having me here today. And I'm, I'm really excited because uh, I just found out from my team that Entrepreneur Magazine uh, selected the book as one of eight books that you should read for a successful 2021. And not just that lawyers should read, but that all people should read, which was kind of exciting um, uh, because, you know, when I wrote the book, I, I, it, it really is very specifically for lawyers, uh, but it really, he said, the, the, the person in the book or who was re reviewing the book said that the new law business model contains more inspiration and insight in just a few pages than most books do cover to cover, making it a must buy for this year. And wow, it feels really great to, to hear that because it is really in, in many respects, Nick, um, not just a business book for lawyers, although it certainly is that, and it absolutely will guide you to understand how you can use your law degree as your highest value asset, something that I think most lawyers don't understand. But it also provides the inspiration that you need to actually do it because it's not easy to be a lawyer and it's not easy to be a business owner. And I think that all of us right now could use a little more combination of both the inspiration and then the practical guidance to actually be able to go out there and do it. And so I would say that the new law business model is that it is that kind of a book that will inspire you to build a law, lucrative law practice that you and your clients love. That's the subtitle. But then we'll also give you the, the, the practical tools to do it from my own personal experience in my law practice, as well as, you know, my now over 15 years of supporting other lawyers to do the same thing using the new law business model that I created. I always love talking about this sort of stuff. Um, and no, I'm not just a, a pandering. Well, I am, but I'm not just pandering. So I started, I didn't finish it. It's it's like 250 pages. I got a copy of it from uh, from Joe like two yeah. days ago on the internet and I started reading it. 
And I got to, I got to go back to your earlier point that it's not just, it's not just for lawyers. And, and a lot of people get so caught up in um, like, I can't read a book about business because I'm a lawyer. I'm running a law firm. It doesn't apply to me. It's this, it's that, the third. Um, And I was talking to another person we had on, on the podcast who wrote a book uh, similarly about how he runs his law firm, like a business. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading yours. Right. And, uh, and I'm getting all this information and I'm not a lawyer. I don't run a law practice, although I do make a living telling other lawyers how they should be running their law practice. But, (laughs) um, it's, it's always interesting to me that, uh, you know, it's, it, it shouldn't be restrict, restricted to just that. Like anybody can read this. And yeah. first of all, it's so enjoyable. It's, it's got such a great story. And in the first few pages, you hear the story about the, the, the lawyer who found some way he's like, Oh, I'm going to make my opposing counsel work through Christmas. And he's like, yeah. and then it's just like, <laughs> why, why do I want that to happen? Where, where did I go yeah. wrong in my life that that's what I'm rooting for? Um, yeah, this, this lawyer, I mean, it's, <clears throat> I'm glad you brought him up because you know, I spent I spent many years actually questioning why I was first questioning why I was a lawyer and then questioning why I was helping other lawyers um, because I didn't really like who I was in the way that I was trained to be a lawyer. And when this man, this, this, this lawyer who was a litigator showed up at one of our in-person events back when we did in-person events and we went around the room and we asked, you know, why are you here? And he told us the story of being, you know, he, and you'll read it in the book, but he was calculating when the interrogatories were going to be due for opposing counsel, saw that they would be due at a time when he would be ruining opposing counsel's Christmas and halfway through his fist bump celebrating that he's going to be ruining opposing counsel's Christmas, he realizes that he's become somebody who is celebrating ruining another human being's Christmas and realized he had to get out of litigation, that this had actually bled into his whole life with his family and he, was, he became somebody he did not want to be. And so he was uh, working with us to help him transition into estate planning, serving families in the way that we teach um, in the company, the new law business model. And today he is a happy lawyer who is serving only clients he loves to work with in ways that he truly knows he's making a difference with his law degree and making a great impact in, in, in his clients' lives. And of course, then of course that trickles into his family life as well. And he was just such a perfect example for me of why I did become a lawyer and why I am serving lawyers, because the way that we have been taught to lawyer is just horrible, right? There is a reason that lawyers have the worst reputations out of all the professions and 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 we've got to change that, you know, we've got to come together as a profession and change that. And what I realized and what I detail out in the new law business model and what we help lawyers do through our company is that we can't just put our good intentions forward. Like I went to law school to make a difference in people's lives. And I went to law school because I fight for the underdog. 
Because if we do that, what happens is that we either need to, to, to be broke lawyers and not have the lives that we really deserve to have. You know, I mean, we put in the work and we made the investments to go to law school and we passed the bar. And this is not easy. These are not easy things. It requires a huge investment of time and energy and attention and money. And, and so then to come out and, and really have to face this choice between I can either be a good person doing good work and be broke or make lots of money and do work that feels bad just didn't, it's not right. It's not right there. I knew that there had to be a both and, and it took me a really long time to figure out what that was, but it did take applying business principles from outside of the law. You know, so I learned what I teach in the new law business model book. And then we apply for our clients in the new law business model business from other professions. I didn't learn it. Some of it I learned from lawyers, but a lot of it I learned from other entrepreneurs. I learned from carpet cleaners, from dentists, chiropractors, um, uh, uh, even a magician was one of my uh, greatest mentors. And I had to learn it outside of the law because when I looked around in the field of estate planning, which was uh, the field that I was working in, uh, just out of law school and when I started my own practice and I saw the most successful lawyers in the field, I did not want their lives. They were working all hours of the day and night. They were working weekends and evenings and they were constantly scrambling for the next new client. And it almost was a point of pride of how much they were working because then that meant that they were successful. But I also could see that they actually weren't really making a difference for the most part. There were some exceptions and I did learn from the exceptions, but for the most part, they also weren't really making a difference in their clients' lives. And this was pretty heartbreaking to me, especially, you know, I'm a mom and I, and I want to use my law degree. Like I don't want to be one of those lawyers that leaves the profession because we can't figure out how to make our law degree work. Uh, and so, you know, I had, I had to figure out this both and, um, and, and I did. And so I'm excited to, you know, share the details of that in, in the new law business model book. And it really is Nick for any lawyer in any of the practice areas, um, the new law business model company, which, um, you know, is really what the book was birthed out of is really for lawyers who want to serve families and or business owners in a new way with all of the, um, like actually everything done for you, right? We've, we've, we've created this entire model for serving your clients in a new way. And we can talk about why that's important and how to engage your clients and then how to deliver on the service and how to automate as much marketing as possible and be this expert educator in your community and all of that. But I wrote the book because I realized we need this not just for estate planning and business planning lawyers. Every practice area needs a new law business model, whether you're doing personal injury or divorce or bankruptcy. Um, now, I'm not going to go out and create the systems for every practice area, although I would like to. I am. I can't. <laughs> I finally accepted my limitations. I can't do it. Um, 
But I want every lawyer to take these principles into their own practice and, and do it different because we really have to change the profession across the board. The thing that you were saying that really caught my attention is that lawyers really get a bad rap. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm going to put this out there. If there's anybody who can come on to the internet and talk bad about lawyers, it yeah. is me. I talked to so many of you guys Yeah. that if I could make, if there's anybody who can make a generalized or blanket statement about lawyers, it's me. Um, <laughs> but anybody who wants to judge lawyers that they make money or they do this or they do that, I charge you sit down yeah. and try to answer the first five questions on a bar prep exam. <laughs> it's, it's not, not only is it another language, um, yeah. but you just can't. I, I'm sorry, you might be really smart. You might be one of those people who's just really gifted. You could take the practice book and, and figure it all out. Uh, but lawyers make great sacrifices to be able to have this role in our communities and our society. Yeah. They go to school for years. They mm -hmm. study. Oh my God. I can't imagine because I didn't study that much. I didn't. I can't imagine studying any more than I even did yeah. to memorize all this stuff that you guys have to do and, and, and then to make a career and, you know, you have to go out there by yourself. If you want to do something like, like what you're, what you're proposing here, you have to go out there by yourself and then figure out how to run a business. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it's this crazy badge of honor. I was just talking about this. It's this crazy badge of honor to work a hundred hours a week um, for a big law firm. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I'm not one of those people. I, I don't, I, I don't have a Lamborghini. I don't have a mansion. I don't got this. I don't have a boat, you know? Uh, but you know, I don't really get jealous of people who make money in that way Yeah, because I have such work-life balance in my life. Like, uh, what's going on right now with the crazy stock market, right? Yeah. Uh, my wife is just talking to me before. She's like, people do this every day, all day with this. It's gotta be so stressful. I would never want to do that. Yeah. I would die. I would have a panic. Every time it goes down, I would go, Oh my God. And, uh, <laughs> and to me, that's how I look at it is like, if I was a lawyer doing all this stuff without knowing what I was doing, right. I would just go, Oh my God. Like yeah. I would be so stressed out. And that's why, you know, you gotta, I listen, I cut lawyers a little bit of slack. It's gotta be really stressful. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things that caught me, like I said, I only really read the first like half of the book, but was so in your story, you, you leave big law, you yeah. open up your own firm, yeah. you get, you, you know, you bartered with the guy, you know, you saved on the rent. And uh, the funniest thing was, uh, and I, I, I saw this coming before you actually said it in the book. You're like, okay. So I figured after taxes, I was making, I needed like 10 grand a month to cover my expenses. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, I could get four clients at 2,500 each, yeah. and that would be 10 grand. And that doesn't factor into anything else. That doesn't factor into answering your phone. That doesn't factor yeah. into marketing, into the paper, into yeah. your It doesn't factor in anything. Right. And so running a business is just so much more than getting four clients to make 10 grand. You got to know your numbers and all that other stuff. Yeah. So, so before we talk about everything, um, what are some of the, the, the current issues in the way that you see attorneys mm -hmm. trying to do business right now? Yeah. So I was doing a little research last night and uh, I was looking at the Martindale Hubble attorney compensation report and it's from 2018. So hopefully things are better now, although I doubt that they are based on what I'm seeing. 
And in that report, they said that 76% of lawyers, solo and small firm lawyers are still charging hourly for their time. The rest are charging too low of flat fees to actually be able to provide a meaningful service. These lawyers, the median um, uh, income that they have is between 140,000 and 198,000 a year. Now that sounds really great, but my, I know that that median revenue generated is the total revenue generated. It is not the take home. And I, you know, when I was starting out in practice, I didn't understand the financial realities of time and money, you know, just exactly like you're saying, oh yeah, I just need $10,000 a month, right? Really, actually the truth was, is that in order to provide a meaningful service to my clients and be able to have the time to enjoy my life and be a mom to my kids, my kids were little, my husband was a stay-at-home dad, um, uh, and, you know, in order to be able to pay the bills and have the time and deliver on the service and educate the community and get the clients and all of that, I actually needed $250,000 a year minimum. That's minimum. If you are a solo practitioner, if you are not bringing in $250,000 a year, there's just no way that you can be doing a good job for your clients and being a contributing member of your family other than perhaps money. Um, uh, and even then you're probably approaching money from this perspective of it's really tight and we can't afford any help around here. Uh, that's certainly how I was. You know, my husband was a stay-at-home dad and I felt really tight about everything financially in the beginning years, of course, because I didn't understand the time money equation. And so I was like, you need to be doing everything because you're the stay-at-home dad. So you get no help and <laughs> you should do it all. Um, we're divorced now um, <laughs> as a result of all that. Although uh, we're still actually, it's it's been um, 15 years and we're actually very close and he still does uh, handle all of the house husband type things. But now with help, now with help and support, because what, what, what I came to realize is that when I understand the way that time and money work and how to utilize my intellectual skills so that I am actually building a business that can support all of us, including, by the way, the people that I hire to support my clients uh, and to help me be able to educate my community and to be able to support me to build automation into my businesses. Um, now I'm actually in my right role. I'm in my right role. And if attorneys don't do this, if attorneys keep themselves in the place of the file clerk and um, the person answering the phones and the person doing all the laundry at home and the person, you know, just doing all of the things that really you should have the help and support to do, you're actually not using yourself in your in the highest and best way to be in what I consider to be your role as a creator of the economy, right? So just from a pure business and health of your community standpoint, if you've set your business up in the right way, you get to employ other people. Now for lawyers, this is really scary. It was for me at least because 
if I'm employing other people, then I have to trust myself to be able to bring in the clients and the money and get paid. And actually nobody really taught me to do that. So here I am meeting with clients and half of them don't end up hiring me or they cancel their appointments. I don't actually know how to get hired. And can I actually really trust myself to pay, to sign a, an agreement to be responsible for somebody else's pay? I don't know. So all, 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 yes, you can if you just know how to do it. Now I get that nobody taught us how to do it. And Nick, I'm sure you talk to people all day, every day because they wanna hire your company to answer their phones. They're like, well, what's the smallest package I can get? <laughs> what's the least that I could pay for the least number of calls? Because they're scared to, to make a commitment to put in place the systems that their practice would actually need to serve their clients really well. And, 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 and when you have the new law business model in place, you're, it, it all gets flipped on its head. And you realize, oh, I have a really valuable service to offer and people need my service and they want my service. And if I can put myself in the right role where I'm able to provide this incredible service to my clients, then of course I can afford to pay for great legal answering services and a great team member in my office supporting me to serve my clients and a great housekeeper at home and a great nanny for my kids and you know take my husband out to dinner uh, every once in a while because he's working really hard taking care of the kids. Um, I love how we've changed these gender norms. It makes me really happy. Because <laughs> um, you know back in the day, uh, I, you know, there were not many other stay-at-home dads, uh, you know, the, now I think it's much more common, but anyway, he, here's, here's, here's the key. And I think this is really important, Nick, especially for the lawyers that you're talking with on a daily basis, because if their phone is ringing such that they need an answering service, then my guess is that the key that is going to change everything for them is learning how to engage the people that are calling them. If they, that is the number one first thing that you've got to work on to create a new law business model is what I call your client engagement system. And it starts with your intake. It starts from the minute that your phone is answered. I wanna give you a little script that I used in my office and see if, if, if it's how sure. you, yeah. So I'm sure that you all do not answer the phone at Answering Legal with law offices, but if you do, we've got to change that immediately. <laughs> I, I promise we don't. Oh, good. Um, so the, the script that we used at my law firm of Martin Neely and Associates was, welcome to, law, um, uh, welcome to Martin Neely and Associates. This is Alexis, how may I assist you? That's how you all do it too. Yep. Love well, it. Not the, not the, uh, the name of the law firm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and we do, we, we customize it too. I don't even want to get too far into that, but we've had people, especially in years past who are like, yeah, I just want you to say law office when you pick no. up. <laughs> We're like, why do you want to pay us to do that? Yeah. Anybody could do that. We're yeah. going to, so keep going. I'm sorry to yes. interrupt you, but that's one of the things that drives me crazy is if I call a law office and they say law office. I'm like, no. Ugh, never have Which your fir, f phone answered saying law office. You want to, you want to do a welcome, welcome to name of your firm. This is name of the person answering the call. How may I assist you now? 
this very little thing, this very little thing that I put in place in my law practice made a huge difference. All of a sudden people called the office and they felt welcomed. So, so then we do an intake call and the way we do the intake call is totally different than most lawyers do in my experience, their intake calls such that it is going to result in an appointment with me for a two hour educational meeting. Two hour educational meeting. Now it could be one hour or it could be two hours, depends on what your practice area needs. And that educational meeting, once I developed it, is going in, 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 our, in our business, leads to our attorneys getting hired. And it's gonna sound a little outrageous, but one, almost many of them, many of them have 100% engagement rates. What that means is that 100% of the people that sit down with them for that two hour meeting, say yes to their services at an average fee of three to $5,000. Now, what happens when you know that that is true, that just about everybody who sits down with you, and as I said, 100% um, is what many of our lawyers have, um, but then maybe somebody comes in and for some reason they don't need the services, they weren't properly pre-screened, or sometimes on occasion, they do have to think about it. Usually they come back. Um, when you've got that kind of certainty of knowing that I'm able to take people through a process that leads to them hiring me every single time or just about every single time at an average fee that is high enough, it's not an hourly fee, it's not an uncertain fee, and it's not too low of a fee to be able to deliver on the value of the services that I'm providing, what happens at that point is you can then start to make business decisions. You actually can't make business decisions for your law practice before you've got that because you don't have a product to sell. You've got hours to sell and you're gonna max out on those hours very quickly and still not be making enough money and be hating your life because you've got to work probably a minimum of 55 to 60 hours a week. If you're a solo practitioner or even a small firm practitioner, maybe it's even worse as a small firm practitioner if you're still billing hourly, you've got to work a minimum of 55 to 60 hours a week just to be able to bill 20 hours of billable time. And if you're lucky, you can bill 20 hours of billable time and if you're billing more billable time than that as a solo or a small firm attorney, well, then you should be teaching other lawyers, <laughs> maybe <laughs> how you're doing that. Um, but you probably don't have time to <laughs> teach other lawyers how you're doing that. Um, and maybe you have like one, you know, consistent client or something like that. You're not having to go out and market. You're not having to do any, you know, invoicing uh, but for most lawyers now, and, and, and then it's even worse if you're taking whatever walks in the door. If you are what we call a door lawyer and you're just taking whatever walks in the door, you don't have any sort of processes and systems and you think you need to take whatever walks in the door because how else are you going to, you're going to starve otherwise. And Nick, I'm sure you see this all the time too, where, you know, people are getting calls from 
you know, oh, I, you know, got a ticket. Oh, I'm getting a divorce. Oh, I've got this business conflict. How can you possibly serve that kind of a variety of people well and feel good about what you're billing for your services? Because you have to go out and learn something new every time. And I know if you're anything like me, you don't feel good about sending an invoice for time you spent learning on the job. And so probably what would happen is you don't end up sending the invoice. You just eat those hours. And now you're providing legal services for free. And most of the day, you're spending a whole lot of time probably feeling as if you're spinning your wheels, not really making a difference in anybody's life. And at the end of the day, you wondered what you accomplished and you're working really, really, really hard and you're not making enough money. So yeah, Nick, it makes sense that when lawyers call you, they're pretty grumpy. <laughs> Definitely that. Um, and uh, I had to, to learn this, this lesson in my professional life. Um, so I didn't just magically wake up one day and become the director of marketing of a, of a pretty big company. Um, I started legitimately at the bottom. Uh, yeah. I came in here. Uh, I made like $100 a day um back in the day we 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 were very small back then so we had no money to even like pay me but that's cool uh and so every step of the way how, how long ago was that nick uh seven years wow wow yeah so uh, right, you've really grown grown up with the company i love that and let me say that really quickly about about law firms as businesses as well that's what you're looking for by the way in your law practice when you're bringing on team members you want to look for lifers. I don't know if Nick is a lifer with Answering Legal, but his behavior that he's just described sure sounds that way. He's growing with the company. And as you think about bringing on team members in your own law practice, think about bringing on lifers, people that are going to be with you for life. And think about creating an inspiring enough vision for your law practice where they're going to want to be. Okay, so going back seven years, you're making 100 bucks a day at Answering Legal. Yeah, so... <laughs> Exactly. And definitely you need people who align with your vision so that they want to be with you in the long haul, not somebody who's just going to show up and, and punch the clock. Um, although I've been accused of it. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, that's a shot at one person who works here and he's going to uh -huh. laugh. Don't worry. But I'm, I don't say that to, to brag about my success. Um, what I'm saying is, is that along the way, uh, I got to be the, the director here, right? Yeah. And uh, as soon as I got the promotion, I felt like nothing had changed and I still needed to be doing the old things that I had always been doing. Um, so I was writing blog posts. I was sending emails, you know, to our list. I was, uh, I don't know, keeping track of the monthly subscriptions we had to various tracking softwares, you know, just very remedial tasks mm -hmm. that uh, somebody in my position should not be doing anymore. You know, mm -hmm. I should be leading a team, uh, delegating, yeah. um, figuring out new ways to engage our audience, mm. doing a podcast, mm. you know, engaging in thought leadership, working out deals for partnerships, all the various things that I do now, right? And what I had to learn was, is that all of that stuff that I used to do has now become an inefficient use of my time, yeah. um, which I think that a lot of lawyers don't understand is a lot of lawyers go into private practice and they're like, I don't want overhead costs. I don't want yeah. it. I don't want to pay a secretary. I don't want to pay a bookkeeper. 
I don't want to do, I don't want to pay anybody. I just want to, I want to keep the money for myself because it's already so tight, right? You know, if I'm, and you're, and you're really right. It sounds crazy to say that $250,000 is like not a lot to bring home. Admittedly, I don't, um, but I don't have overhead that's costs. That's not the take home, right? Yes. I don't have any overhead costs or, yeah. or expenses. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like all of my stuff that I use to do my job is paid for here. And then I just bring home a nice salary. That's right. Um, but, and, and people get bogged down by this, by this, I need to do it all. And, and I try to tell people this because people will call me and they'll be like, what's the minimum package? And I'm like, you don't want the minimum package. You don't want it yeah. because it's not going to do you any good. So what, what lawyers really need to understand is that if you're billing hourly, think of it like this, right? Take your hourly rate and take yeah. the hour out of your day that you spend answering the phone yeah. and compare your hourly rate to what you need to pay a secretary. Yeah. Right. If it's even equal, yeah. pay the secretary. And, yes. and so yeah. many people, they, I'll do my books myself. I'll figure out my tech. No, you won't. You can't. There's yeah. not enough time for you to do that and then live a happy life. Right. Well, and- let's look at the underlying issue, though, Nick. The, the underlying issue is not that lawyers are stingy, although many are, and I certainly was, but it was only because I didn't actually understand the value of the services I provided, and I didn't actually have the confidence to provide services in a way that I truly believed were worth somebody paying me. And, you know, you hear all these things today in like the business coaching world of like, charge what you're worth, charge what you're worth. Let's throw that idea out the window. You can't charge what you're worth. You're priceless. What you can do, though, is increase the value of your services. And if you are providing services in the old way, well, maybe you should be questioning the value of the worth of those services because it might be that the way you've been taught to provide your services actually does suck. Okay, let's take a deep breath and acknowledge that reality and then commit to changing that reality. So you don't need to do any more work on your worth and what you think you're worth and all of these things. Instead, you actually need to learn to provide your legal services in a way that is truly valuable. So you aren't competing with Rocket Lawyer and LegalZoom and the cheap lawyer down the road who isn't actually helping their clients and isn't actually making a difference in their lives and is just getting them stuck in conflict and escalating that conflict because that's how the lawyer gets paid or churning out documents after documents after documents because that's how the lawyer gets paid. Let's stop all of that. Let's stop all of that. Let's throw out the transactional litigation or the transactional one-off model where a lawyer, a client hires you for a trademark that you know they're not even going to do anything good with because they don't even need that trademark. Or a client comes in and hires you for a trust that you know is not going to get funded. And when they die is still, their assets are still going to end up in court. Or maybe you believe that you live in a probate friendly state. And so you're just going to put a will in place for them. And then they're going to become incapacitated and nobody in their family is going to know what to do they're going to have no relationship with you. Or maybe they come to you for a divorce and 
they really could just do it on their own, but because you don't have a model for helping them to do it on their own, you're going to charge them and maybe inadvertently increase the conflict. Inadvertently, you're not going to do it on purpose, but like maybe you do. Let's just stop all that. Stop all the one-off transaction because we don't know how else to charge and stop all of the litigation model. And what if we became relational lawyers? What if we reclaimed the way that we serve clients and went back to the day when lawyers were actually trusted advisors, when the lawyer was the one of the most respected members of the community, and when somebody had a problem, they called the doctor or they called the lawyer. And people trusted the lawyer that they called because they knew that the lawyer was going to come on over and help them make good decisions and help them patch up whatever happened and help them stay out of the court system and help them to do good, do the right thing, be the kind of person that they wanted to be, get them out of trouble, help them clean up the mess they made. Now, I am not by any means saying you should be a generalist. And I want to be very clear about that. You should not be a generalist. However, I do believe that you can be a specialist, which is incredibly critical in today's world, and provide a very specialized service while also doing it in that trusted advisor relational manner. And that it comes down to how you are getting paid for what you do. And if you are charging hourly, I really don't care how much you're charging hourly. If you're getting, if you're, whether it's two fifty or a thousand dollars an hour, if you are charging hourly, it does not work. Or if you are charging too low of a flat fee, it also does not work. Instead, you've got to create a an offering out of your services that you know provides value to the people in your community and that you feel confident delivering such that the only roles that I believe you should be in, in your office are educator of your community so that you are seen as an expert, so that you are seen as somebody who helps people, a trusted guide and engager of clients, counselor, counselor of clients, counselor of clients. And, and, and your whole engagement process is set up so that you get to be that counselor of clients. And then the service that you deliver even can be provided by others. Even the service that you deliver can be provided by others if you have systems in your office to do that. Now, you can also be the one to provide the services, right? This is just a matter of structuring, right? Like if you, if you love also serving the clients and you know, producing the documents and like creating all the things and, and, and doing all the follow-up meetings yourself, you can totally do that. You can. And now that just becomes a choice. Do you want a $250,000 a year practice where you're taking home $100,000, maybe 125, but you're working a lot, you know, producing the documents and maybe, maybe you're um, even printing you know, and, and hole punching, right? Um, or do you, you know, want uh, on the other end of the spectrum, do you want a million dollar a year or more practice? And maybe you're not even the one engaging most of the clients anymore. Maybe you've really stepped into your role as a leader in your practice and you're teaching other attorneys how to 
engage the clients and counsel the clients? Or do you want something in the middle? These are three different practice models we talk about in the book. Um, I, my favorite is uh, what we call the uh, part-time law baller model. Uh, <laughs> that first one is the, it's the true solo model, right? It's this, the solo practitioner, the, 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 the million dollar one we call the um, seven figure empire builder. But the middle one is this part-time law baller model. And I really like it because, um, uh, well, it's part-time and it's baller because in the part-time law baller model, you have a small team. You don't bring on other attorneys to work with you, which is easier <laughs> in many respects. Um, but you've got this small, really committed team of people. So you are um, employing people in your community. And ideally that is a team of lifers. And um, you only have to go into your office two to three days a week. You still get to take home 250 a year. That's take home in this case, 250 a year, which is really good. 20,000 a month, like you can have a great life on 20,000 a month. It's a lot of money. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of money. You can pay back your student loans. You can pay off any debt that you took on to build your practice. Um, and if you think about it, let's imagine that in that part-time law baller model, let's imagine that your practice is bringing in 600, 650 a year, right? So it's only like 30,000 um, a month. Um, no, how much? No, 60,000 a month, let's say, right? So that's, that's a little bit more. Let's say it's 50,000 a month. With the right practice model, let's just break this down for a minute. I know math can be hard for lawyers, including me, as you just saw. So, so let's imagine that you know that you can get hired by clients at an average of $4,000 each. That's what most of our lawyers are getting hired at. And I know a lot of people are like, nobody would ever pay $4,000 for an estate plan in my community. Well, except for you know, the 270 member lawyers <laughs> that we have across the United States whose clients in all different kinds of communities are paying on average four to $5,000 for an estate plan. Why? Because it's not what they can get online. So um, let's imagine that you only need to engage 12 of those a month, 12, and you know you've got a system to do it. So 12 times four is 48. Now we're looking at, let's call it, you know, do a little extra work of other work. Let's call it 50,000 a month. That's 600,000 a year. Do you think that you could take home 250 of that? Of course. What are you going to do with the other 350? That's going right back into your community. That's going right back into paying other people. That's going right back into having systems and technology. That's going right back into you only having to work. Go into, I only had to, now I did go the million dollar practice route and I did have other attorneys that were working in the office. Um, but I only had, that's you only going into the office to see clients or virtually, because now everything's virtual and all of, you know, most, all of our lawyers are doing most of their practices virtually um, these days, three days a week, three days a week, part-time law baller. Sounds baller, right? <laughs> it does um so i kind of i i understand in the book where this changed for you um yeah. that you knew you wanted to leave big law um yeah. and sort of go out on your own but i'm actually curious so for anybody that's that's listening to this yeah that is like you know all this stuff sounds appealing to me but i'm kind of comfortable um 
I want people to buy, to be able to identify with this in a in an anecdotal way. So yeah. can you tell me about your experience on when you knew, like, I'm done with this. I have to go out on my own and I, I have to get, so, and, and, and others that you've heard about too, like yeah. other people who have joined the, the new law business model. Yeah. What, what's the, what's the catalyst that, that people can identify with? Yeah. Well, for me, the catalyst was that I was sitting in a women in business chamber of commerce event and I, I was at that event because I had decided, I, I knew I was unhappy at the big law firm. And it was so hard to be unhappy because I was in a job that, you know, hundreds of thousands of lawyers would kill for. And so I spent a lot of time in my head beating myself up for how unhappy I was. And, oh, Alexis, why can't you just be happy? You're making six figures and any other lawyer would kill for this job, but I was commuting an hour each way. I uh, was leaving my daughter at home sleeping in the morning. Um, and then I got home, you know, at night by what, seven, eight o'clock at night. And yes, I was making this six figure paycheck, but after taxes and insurance and the 401k plan and the mortgage, I was still angry at my husband for his daily Starbucks intake. And like, felt as if we had no money. And I was probably 28 years old and I had done everything right by all of the standards of the rules I was following. But I looked down the road at my life, 10, 15, 20 years into the future. And I was really depressed of like, oh my God, I made the wrong choice. Oh my God, I made the wrong choice. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And I felt more than anything, I felt so lonely. I felt so alone because none of the other associates that I was working with other than this one guy had, had children. So like, I'm different there. None of the stay-at-home moms, you know, in my community worked. So like, I'm alone there. And I decided that, okay, 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 okay. I gotta keep my job. I gotta keep. Like, I, can't, I can't quit because I'm the breadwinner and I have the job that everybody would want. So I'm gonna figure out how to make this work. And I am going to see if I can just get my own clients at this law firm that I work at. Maybe that will make me happy. Maybe if I am getting my own clients. And I was doing a lot of nonprofit work back then and the firm was supporting me to do nonprofit work, which felt good. And maybe if I get my own clients, I'll, that'll feel good. So, so I go to this women in business chamber event uh, in my own community, cause great, I'll serve clients in my community. And um, I had taken out this little business card ad in the brochure and it you know, literally like just said my name and wills and trusts or something. Uh, those don't work, by the way. Don't do that. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I'm sitting there in this event, and this woman gets on stage, and she is talking about her business. Really, what she was talking about was branding. She's talking about branding. I didn't hear a word she said about branding. All I heard her say is, I work from home. I work with only clients I love to serve. I'm able to be home when my son gets home from school. I love my life as a business owner. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what? Wait, I that, I want that. What is this thing? What is this thing? I can, I can, be, I can be a business owner? Like that had never entered my mind. Now, 
remember this is 20, literally 20 years ago now. And today, I think everybody, I, I believe everybody knows that they can be in business for themselves. <laughs> but back then that really was not on my menu of options. And so um, that was the beginning of realizing, huh, that is something, but I still didn't know it at that point. What I did is I bought her book. And this is why I'm so excited that I wrote this book because I know that things that people read in the book are going to open their eyes to new possibilities in the way that me reading that book back then opened my eyes to new possibilities. So I read her book with the hopes of figuring out what I could do to have what she had. You know, I'll have what she's having. If she can do it, I can do it. It was a huge mantra of mine. So I got the book. I ended up finding out she had hired a coach. Back then, coaching was super weird, but I found her coach. I made the decision to hire the coach. You read all about this in, in the book. And, um, and I began to change my life. I began to make the decisions that would lead to me even being able to have the self-belief that was necessary to say, I can start my own business. And then as you'll read in the book, there was like kind of a near-death type experience uh, that led me to say, okay, I can't, I can't keep, I can't stay in this reality any longer. Life is too short. I need to do what I'm going to, what I'm going to do, even though I'm super terrified. Um, and, you know, one thing that I, I guess I want to say about that as well, Nick, is in my experience, the terror doesn't go away. I'm still terrified today. And in fact, that is how I know I'm on the right path in my life and business. If I don't have some amount of fear running in my system, um, uh, I'm probably being complacent and staying in my comfort zone and not growing. Now, having said that, <laughs> I am very much working on recognizing that I don't need to be pushed by fear. I can instead be pulled by desire. In fact, my word for this year is desire. Um, you know how we do years, words for the year. Some people do, I do. <laughs> so my word for this year is desire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but what I have recognized for me is that I actually desire to live my life on that edge of, of fear, because that's where life is exciting. And that is where we grow. And, and so, you know, when, when the pandemic hit um, in, in March um, of last year, February, whenever, you know, whatever it was, um, there was no, I wasn't caught off guard in any way. I have been living my life in a way where I practice every single day facing what I'm most afraid of, going towards that which I'm most afraid of, developing myself into a person who no longer is acting from a place of reaction, which we all know what that feels like. It's that grumpy lawyer who's just angry and really can't actually control their emotions, which is fine. I was there and you don't have to stay there. Um, uh, to becoming a person that can actually choose to respond. 
And I believe that there is no greater path to doing that than stepping into the path of entrepreneurship and being a business owner and learning to be a leader and a role model in your community and recognizing that your law degree is one of the most valuable assets that you possibly have, but not just for you, for your whole community when you use it in the right way for your family, for the people that you serve, for the people that you're going to hire, the companies that you're going to work with. And, and if you don't capture the value of your law degree because you don't know how or because you're too scared to or because you wanna keep doing things the old way or because you wanna you know, be the most affordable solution for the people in your community, but you're actually not being the most affordable solution for the people in your community because you actually can't provide them with a good service. So it actually costs them more money we teach something called the affordability paradox in the, uh, in the book, then, then you're not actually doing what you came here to do in the world. You're not actually doing the thing that you invested all the money to go to law school to do and the time to go to law school to do. And so, yeah, I wanna encourage you to step up. We need you now to do that. And so I, I hope that you, yeah, I hope that you read the book, New Law Business Model and get, get inspired to do so. So, so we, just awesome stuff. Uh, Allie, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, so for anybody who should now want to buy this book, um, the link will be in the description on all the platforms that you could possibly be listening to this on, unless you have found this in some strange website of which I am not aware. Um, but I'm going to include a, a, a bunch of links to uh, Allie's website, um, the new law business model, the book, the site, um, Allie, thank you again for being on the show. I really greatly appreciate it. And uh, yeah.